this is the Assurance in Action podcast. Uh, our episode today is on uh, supply chain assurance, uh, and it will serve as a bit of a recap for this uh, past month's supply chain news. Um, today, I'm joined by Intertech's Simona Romanosi, uh, the Vice President of Business Assurance Innovation, and Raquel Sese, uh, who is the Senior Director of Supply Chain Management, uh, Global, Technical, and Quality. Um, now, start us off. Uh, every year, millions of tons of plastic uh, ends up in landfills, is burned or leaked into the environment. It is estimated that 8 million tons leaks into the ocean every year, and that number is rising. Simona, from an industry perspective, how do you think uh, we move forward? Yeah. Hi. Um, good to hear from you, Seth, and um, thanks for um, um, organizing this little podcast. Um, I mean, definitely plastics is becoming a bigger issue um, than, than we ever thought and imagined. Um, and it, we need to rethink, you know, uh, from an industry perspective, um, you know, in terms of what the industry does, you know, consumers as well, governments, organizations, um, everyone that is obviously involved. We need to rethink how we use plastic in our daily life to minimize waste. And, you know, what we've seen, and I'm sure, you know, most of you are aware that there's more and more focus on moving from a concept of using plastic once uh, as something that can be thrown away uh, to something that can be recycled, that can be reused, can be repurposed, and um, obviously looking at different options, technologies, approaches to extend the life as, uh, their life as long as possible. So this is really what's called the circular economy concept, which really is defined as basically an economic system in which materials, uh, any type of material are, you know, obviously, but we're talking about plastic in this case, materials are designed to be used um, and not necessarily used up. That means that from the beginning, when products are designed, it should be done while ensuring that no materials are lost, that um, they are not impacting the environment in a negative way, so no toxins are leaked, and that the maximum use is basically achieved from, from every process, material, and component. Um, and the obviously that, you know, if applied correctly, uh, the circular economy, obviously, as, as you can imagine, will benefit everyone, will benefit the society, the environment, will benefit the economy as well. So this circular economy concept can be applied, obviously, to plastics. Like I said, it's, it's, you know, it's something that can be applied to any material, but certainly to plastics for sure. And um, there are many organizations out, out there. There are many, um, you know, industry groups um, um, and, um, you know, stakeholder initiatives that focus on circular economy. Uh, I just want to mention that one of the most prominent ones is um, probably you all know, it's the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. And I'm just going to very briefly quote their vision because I think it's very um, relevant to this. And it's something that you can certainly find on their website. But basically, over the past four years, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, has pushed for an initiative called the New Plastic Economy. And this has united more than 1,000 organizations, including businesses and governments, behind a common vision uh, and targets um, uh, of a circular economy specifically to plastic. And this has vision for plastic, I guess, that the Ellen MacArthur Foundation has laid out, uh, certainly has 
a few priorities, I would say. Kiel, do you want to perhaps mention what these priorities are? Yeah. Hi, thank you, Simona, for um, inviting me over on this podcast. And Seth, thank you too. Since you have made mention about the circular economy for plastics, the priorities basically have six key points. The first one is the um, elimination of problematic or unnecessary plastic packaging through redesign, innovation, and new delivery models as a priority. The second one is the reuse of models are applied where relevant, reducing the need for single-use packaging. Basically, all plastic packaging is 100% reusable, recyclable, or compostable. And such also plastic packaging are reused, recycled, or composed in practice. One of the key points or priorities is the use of plastic is fully decoupled from the consumption of finite resources. And the last one, uh, the last uh, priority is that all plastic packaging is free from hazardous chemicals and the health, safety, and rights of all people are involved or are respected. Uh, we have a lot of uh, regional uh, practices or Intel, uh, Intel uh, Simona, one of which I think you are very aware of what Europe does. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. you can also cite what do they yeah. do on this uh, composite or uh, economy, circular economy for plastics. Yes, yes, indeed. And in many parts of the world, there are many, um, uh, certainly um, also uh, the, the government, I guess, is pushing, you know, a lot of the uh, um, practices around this. So, for example, Europe has a strategy um, and an act where they want to ensure that every piece of packaging is reusable and or recyclable by 2030. So, um, you know, from a Europe, from a European Commission, for example, um, research uh, and what they have published is that around 58 million tons of plastic are created per year, and a lot of this comes from uh, for packaging purposes, which is about 40 uh, percent. And um, you know, out of this, 25 million is considered as plastic waste. Um, and you know. If you think about the end life of plastic, it seems that only 30% is recycled, but 39% is, you know, incinerated and 31% only um, um, goes into, into landfills. So there's a big focus on packaging um, uh, where essentially, um, you know, only 40% of that is recycled. So... I said the EU strategy is really to ensure that 55% of the plastic, for example, what they've said that they want to be have, have it recycled by 2030, um, and uh, you know pushing for a lot of the member states to also reduce used bags consumption per person um, from now and uh, obviously by by uh, 2026, you know um, specific targets around that. The EU. EU is also um, investing a lot on research, design, um, you know, technologies for durability and recyclability. Um, and, you know, um, they've invested something like more than 100 million euros around this and requiring the European member states to put an obligation to monitor and reduce, um, you know, their marine litter. And by marine litter, obviously, we're talking about here the plastic that ends up in, in the ocean. And of course, there are also clearer labeling uh, requirements for plastic packaging. 
Uh, so certainly European Union in general uh, is very, very active, um, you know, um, and when I say European, I, I think we're including in this obviously UK as well, um, you know, from a, from a pre, pre-Brexit uh, kind of um, um, approach. But certainly Europe as a, as a, as a region is, is quite, quite active in this. And as you know, there are many legislations already and many companies there that have made commitments around reducing of single-use plastic commitments for recyclability and so on. But I think there are, Europe is not alone in this, obviously. So I think there are in Asia as well some, some uh, good... Um, uh, maybe uh, some good progress has been made. I'll let you talk about that, Raquel. Oh, yes, uh, Simona. Uh, as everyone knows, I came from Asia. So it's not just that Western countries have uh, also some uh, of these circular economy goals. So basically in Asia, which is basically almost completed by now, it says that by 2020, there would be 100 plus companies that signed up to the Asia Plastic and Packaging Voluntary Agreement. They have reassessed and innovate uh, new sales systems, collection methods, and plastics to begin phasing out problematic single-use plastic. And after 2020, they have also some project that would go through until 2025, where there is a voluntary phase out of all picro beads in cosmetics and in personal care products. There would be a recycling rate to increase by 3% by 2025 then. Begging the five-year goal to implement alternatives to single-use plastics. And of course, after 2025, Simone and Seth, the target circle, uh, recycling collection will be in percentage. And uh, I think we mentioned about Europe. We also mentioned about Asia. But how about the Americas or the U.S., uh, Simona? Anything uh, being done in that part of the world? Yes, actually, um, good point, Raquel, because uh, it was very exciting to see, actually, that uh, U.S. recently announced, announced in the past, uh, I guess, a um, couple of months, I believe, in September, uh, that U.S. also joined the Global Plastics Pact. And this is really a network. It's part of the plastics initiatives and the new plastics economy that uh, we were mentioning a little bit earlier in the podcast. It's, an, it's a network that's, again, being led by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, and this includes a lot of different national packs. Um, it started with UK, France, um, countries like other countries like Chile, Netherlands, uh, Portugal, and obviously you have then the European uh, Plastics Pact as a regional initiative. And as I said, very excited to 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 see the commitment uh, from US as well and the announcement uh, that went uh, some time ago. Uh, and again, the network the network works towards the circular economy as we discussed, uh, implementing this vision for plastic, and uh, is joined by governments but also companies uh, in this um, um, you know um, pact, which represent twenty uh, percent of all the plastic packaging that that's produced worldwide. So in US already, there are more than sixty signatories that have set really concrete targets um, for for circular economy. And, um, you know, these targets are, again, uh, around uh, defining, first of all, um, um, you know, by next year, a list of plastic packaging that needs to be designated as problematic or unnecessary, and then also defining by next year what kind of measures companies can take to eliminate these types of um, um, plastics by 2025. 
and again commitments around 100% uh, plastics to be reusable, compostable uh, by 2025, and a lot of other commitments around that um, um, as as a, as a as a kind of milestone timeline, um, you know, and to take a lot of actions to effectively recycle or compost, uh, you know, at least 50% of the plastic packaging by 2025 and ensuring that the average proportion of recycled content or responsibly sourced uh, bio-based content in plastic packages, pa plastic packaging, sorry, reaches at least 30% by 2025. So obviously all of this initiative will create a lot of opportunities and um, there will need to be a lot of collaboration in the industry and, you know, a lot of companies um, in, you know, research groups, universities and, and academics working towards implementing this common vision. And actually, you know, it's not something that obviously it's necessarily uh, new that just happened yesterday. And we know that a lot of companies have been working on this for quite some time. And there are a lot of uh, industry, uh, there are a lot of initiatives, sorry, and uh, good examples that we can mention in terms of what companies are doing. And it's really companies from a, from a wide, um, you know, um, um, cross-sector perspective, right? It's not just one sector that's focusing on this. It's, it's, um, it's different, different sectors that sometimes you may not think about. So, for example, um, if we were to give some uh, examples, I think, um, you know, from what we've seen uh, out there, Raquel, I can start maybe with one example, something recently that we um, looked at the British Petroleum, for example, in their sustainability report, they have uh, also a section around what they do to um, basically join forces with the industry to tackle plastic waste. And, um, you know, of course, because of plastic, it's really something that's pushed by a lot of leading companies in food, drink, consumer good products um, to consider, you know, waste management, packaging and, and uh, recycling technologies. And, um, you know, they have joined forces with BP in a sort of industry groups to tackle plastic waste because BP has developed a special technology uh, which... Um, uh, it's considered an enhanced recycling technology. And obviously, you know, more work needs to be done and more investment um, needs to happen in order to accelerate and commercialize um, this type of recycling technology. And of course, I'm giving here one example. I'm sure there are, there are many others, you know. Um, but again, some of the companies that are, you know, involved in this, besides BV, it's, it's big brands like Danone, Unilever and others, and really they have combined their capability and experience to develop uh, basically um, circular approaches to, to deal with polyethylene terephthalate PET, which is one of the more commonly used types of plastic. So again, for PET plastic, they will work to speed up the, the, the recycling technologies to, to market, right, in order to target especially, uh, you know, the more difficult, let's say, uh, plastic that's being used in colored um, um, bottles, you know, that are currently thrown away. So if you think of all the colored bottles uh, of, of, the, of the soft drinks or water or whatever that you're drinking today, um, and basically the BP technology, we don't want to go obviously here into many te technical details, but they have worked on, on ways in, in which they can turn basically this difficult to recycle plastic waste 
into something that is uh, a feedstock, basically recycled feedstock that then can be used to make higher quality PET plastic packaging that can be reused with no loss in quality. This is a lot of investment here. It's a lot of research, and that's kind of one one of the things that we want to highlight. That this will require a lot of companies getting together, and um, you know, uh, to to collaborate and to develop and um, scale up and commercialize different other technologies. Um, so, is there anything else, Raquel? Maybe something that you have come across that you want to highlight in terms yes. of what companies are doing. Pertaining to a lot of uh, commitments and targets, and one of all, one of these is actually Nestle, which everybody knows is the world's biggest food processor. They made a commitment to make all its packaging 100% reusable or recyclable by mm -hmm. 2025. And in fact, currently 87% of all Nestle uh, packaging is recyclable or usable, including that, including which is 66% for its plastic packaging. Nestle is committed to championing innovation and drive progress. In fact, globally, the company has already started innovating with its packaging. In the US alone, it has committed a US 30 million investment to increase food grade recyclable plastics. In Chile, their pet food is sold via a refillable system which is good, right? We, we don't have that anywhere else. And in France, the Maggi Bouillon cubes are wrapped in a first-of-its-kind recyclable paper packaging. And in the UK, I think your uh, son is uh, eating this one also, uh, Simona. The Smarties mm -hmm. <laughs> comes in recyclable paper packs. And just recently in August 2020, the Nestle Philippines, where I am from, um, it reached plastic neutrality where the company collected and co-processed the equivalent amount of plastic as contained in the product sold. Basically, the Nestle Pet, uh, Tetra Pak is also 100% designed for recycling. Um, actually, Nestle uh, recognizes that the plastic straws pose a litter and pollution hazard. Countries like us, uh, Simona, which is a center of Typhoon, is uh, this is one mm. of our problems and with this commitment we were able to or nestle was able to eliminate plastic straws from their products using alternative material and innovative designs okay. uh, nestle also invested in waste management infrastructure which is good taking an active role in developing well-functioning collection sorting and recycling schemes and of course, working collaboratively with the industry, the government, uh, civil society, uh, companies like us. Uh, they are also raising awareness, informing consumers about the right way to dispose and recycle its packaging. The company also eliminated single-use plastics that, can be, that cannot be recycled from its um, campus, including switching containers and cutlery to compostable alternatives. Uh, not only that, uh, Simona, in 2019, staff in Jamaica and Trinidad removed 12,712 pounds of waste from beach cleanups. Wow. Just imagine one of those uh, commitments or um, 
I, sh I would say, uh, implementation that Nestle has done. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing also, it's not about all their commitment and targets. They also did a dive insight where they invested $30 million into private equity fund of investment firm closed loop partners. The goal was actually upgrading U.S. recycling um, infrastructure and gaining access to food-grade recycled products, according to release from the company. This uh, closed-loop leadership fund was actually created to acquire well-established best-in-class companies that are recycling materials to build a circular supply chain. Um, there are other uh, companies uh, that I have uh, on top of my mind, uh, uh, Simona, mm -hmm, but before mm -hmm. that, um, consumer interest in sustainable packaging is basically growing. About 66% of consumers said that they would pay more for products from brands committed for environmentally friendly practices. So this is according to a Nielsen Global Corporate Sustainability Report. So there, there are uh, basis for this yeah. Uh, information. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. Would you perhaps um, uh, continue yeah. on the uh, Nielsen uh, Sustainability Report, uh, Simona? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to mention, but by the way, because you mentioned the closed uh, loop, uh, that's also one of the uh, organizations, I guess, that's um, very much involved in, um, um, and being part of actually of the U.S. Plastics Pact. Um, but, uh, you know, since, since you mentioned, you know, the consumer interest, you know, it is true. And actually, I, I um, um, came across actually also a, a study, you know, done by a major packaging company in the U.S. called Dia Smith. Um, and they've also done a study in terms of consumer perception. Um, and, you know, they, they found that about majority of the consumers, 93% basically of them, they have said that they have indeed received, let's say, um, packages, you know, it's not about just recyclability, but a lot of the issues in, in the packaging industry, it's about the waste space. For example, when I'm sure all of us have, have had that frustration when you receive a package, box is too big and they put a lot of filler inside and sometimes even that filler is plastic or the let's say the packaging of the product itself it's bigger and bulkier than necessary so you know consumers have 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 experienced this a lot and and a lot of the consumers you know 73 percent um also mentioned that they received packages that, that were twice the size let's say of the items inside or much more than needed so, for example, companies um, also in their effort to transition to a circular economy, you know, they also look at packaging uh, waste, for example. So it's not only just about recycling always, but looking at the issue of wasted space and looking at things like packaging design principles and how those can be, um, you know, implemented and thought of when designing uh, packaging for different products. Um, so I just wanted to mention this also because it's it's quite quite uh, <laughs> quite quite interesting, and um, you know um, you said as well that a lot of companies are focusing on this. So I can give also a few other examples um, if uh, if you want just to see what major companies are doing in this space. Um, so. Um, also, Yum Brands, for example, um, which, um, you know, have 
considered, you know, the waste and recycling issues to be their 10 most important priorities for their stakeholders uh, as, 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 as far as a few years ago. Um, and they have worked on proposals to support the creation of, of policies around sustainable packaging, which should address, you know, plastic straws, um, polystyrene beverage and food containers and so on. And as an example of what young brands are doing in this area, for example, KFC announced in January of last year a significant global sustainability commitment, again, around that all plastic-based consumer food packaging will be recoverable or reusable by 2025. And also Yam US, they have a goal to, to divert uh, their, some of their backhouse operation waste from landfills um, by the end of even this year. Um, actually, I'm not sure where they stand on that, but certainly there was a goal that they have made uh, to divert um, some of their operation waste, around 50% of that. Um, and then um, companies in UK or Europe or in other areas of the world, so to give the example of Tesco, which is one giant uh, retailer from UK, also is trialing different uh, technologies um, that are looking at making plastic packaging recyclable and also working towards their commitment, of course, that all of its packaging is fully recyclable by 2025. Um, so, you know, again, just, just a few examples. I don't know if you want to mention others, Raquel, but I think we're pretty consistent. Uh, or we see a lot of consistency out there and a lot of um, um, common effort, right, towards these priorities. Yes, um, I can say perhaps a few samples also, Simona and Sen. Um, I think everyone drinks coffee, right? And one of the companies that I know of that has uh, their big commitments and targets of a circular economy for plastic is Starbucks, where by 2020, uh, it was made mention that their plastic straws will be replaced with new recyclable strawless lead and alternative material straw options. And this commitment is for all their stores globally. In fact, we are seeing commitment in place already almost all over the world. And I have experienced it myself already here in Asia, which sets true to their targets. And uh, by 2022, Starbucks will also double their recycled content, recyclability and composability, and reusability of cups and packaging, which uh, they call uh, greener cups and packaging. Simone and Seth, uh, just don't know if you, you are aware that Intertech led the biodegradability test for the coffee cups and other items in Asia for Starbucks. Another client of Intertech, I think, uh, whom I can mention, who has vast uh, recycling practices and commitments is um, Coca-Cola, where they will collect and recycle the equivalent of 100%. They are actually currently doing at 75% by now of their primary packaging, the Coca-Cola system puts in the market by 2030 how they will do with uh, Seth and Simona. Well, it is just by reducing weight, increasing the use of recyclable materials, and the overall recyclability of packaging and developing renewable materials. They're also investing in design innovations to build better packages and explore packaging free alternatives for delivering their fat, uh, products. So not just food or beverage companies are into this, uh, Simona. We even have retailers, and the biggest one that we know of is Walmart, who have uh, bold targets, 
contributions and their ongoing uh, and plastic waste reduction commitments. Some of these are taking action in eliminating problematic or unnecessary plastic packaging by 2025, at the same time taking action to move from single use towards reuse models where relevant. They have also a 100% of in-scope private brand plastic packaging to be reusable, recyclable, or industrially composable by 2025. And they set an ambitious 2025 recycled content target across all plastic packaging used. So just imagine how many companies are into this um, circular economy for plastic, Simona, right? Yes, it's, it's certainly something that obviously, um, you know, I would say the entire society right now, as we said, all the companies, organizations, governments, obviously consumer interest, as we said, has definitely uh, grown in this area. Um, and we all see now a lot of initiatives being implemented in our daily life. So also just to give an example, I live in the U.S. Um, and while in the U.S. we don't have necessarily at this point, let's say, a government or regulatory push towards this. But as I said, uh, we see the... Um, the society and different uh, companies being involved in this with the U.S. Plastics Pact. But I, I just want to say that I am, for example, I live in New Jersey, in U.S., and in a very small town, uh, actually, uh, 14,000 people here. But, for example, even at the local, you know, community level, uh, in, in this type of small small towns or communities in U.S., where I live, for example, um, single-use plastic bags have been eliminated from our, all our grocery stores or, or um, you know, any type of stores, I guess. So, you know, sometimes we have to think that even, you know, um, in, in um, you know, from a, from a small, let's say, community level, we can still have an impact. So it's not about just the big uh, push of organizations or big, big government or big industry groups, but even, you know, we have to think what um, individual consumers and small local communities can do to, to minimize plastic or to minimize waste in general. Um, and um, I, I guess also, Raquel, if you think about it, we can also, um, you know, obviously think about what, what Intertech or how Intertech we as a company, because obviously we are working, um, you know, with, um, with uh, many, many um, uh, organizations out there and we have a variety of services and solutions and, uh, you know, we also can help, I guess, in our own way, um, push and 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 drive, I guess, um, um, the implementation of all these strategies. And uh, one way, for example, just to give a few examples in in which we can support the industry out there is in terms of recycled plastic, recycled um, content as uh, and a lot of companies we've seen that have sustainability commitments around that and again from 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 a variety of sectors and uh, as part of this they are you know pushing these commitments obviously in their supply chain because obviously they have to consider you know the the raw material of of their of their products so in the textile sector alone uh, we see now um you know for apparel brands for footwear brands home textiles, basically any type of um, uh, organization that uses, let's say, um, fibers like uh, polyester or other man-made fibers and plastic, you know, they are pushing now for to ensure that their products contain recycled materials. And obviously, this will drive a lot of um, 
action in the supply chain and and one way in which suppliers can can um, and the organizations that are involved in the production uh, manufacturing of these products one way in which they can demonstrate their commitment and to provide assurance to their global brands and buyers that they are using recycled content is really to go for third-party certifications. And there are uh, third-party certifications out there. For example, Textile Exchange, it's one of the most um, uh, well-known and, and active, I would say, right now with their, with their use of their standards like Global Recycle Standard. Uh, recycled content standard, which uh, are, again, third-party certifications that verify um, the material input that is recycled and verify as well um, sometimes like the GRS that uh, working conditions, environmental conditions are being followed and also uh, GRS at the use of chemicals, right, uh, and restricted chemicals that don't uh, impact in a negative way the environment. Um, and Intertech is one of the organizations that is accredited and provides certification uh, again, uh, for these standards for recycled content. And, um, you know, another, um, in terms of waste and sustainable packaging, another, uh, uh, you know, a push we've seen out there, again, from companies, and as we reference some, in some of these commitments as well, is in in having a zero waste um, to landfill approach as part of their strategy, um, and Intertech also provides a uh, service around this, where we can support companies uh, in certifying that um, you know that they indeed um, their, their their own company business or product um, does not uh, you know send um, you know waste to landfill. So basically minimizing waste and recycling and, you know, having a certification obviously provides improved credibility and visibility to what the organization does in order to improve their environmental impacts. Um, so obviously our certification solutions include different types of, um, um, let's say, um, um, certifications that we offer depending on the diversion rates, um, you know, anything from uh, you know, near zero waste um, for to advanced waste diversions to zero waste to landfill. But we also do a lot of custom work with our um, customers in order to, um, you know, verify their diversion plan and to suggest, you know, obviously improvements uh, in, in this area. So again, these are just two examples in which we also partner with organizations and, you know, we help demonstrate through third-party certifications, as I said, their, their commitments and helps provide credibility to their sustainability commitments. Um, or we can always, um, you know, work with customers for custom solutions, for trainings and other ways in which we can support big, big topic and that has an impact, obviously, for the site as a whole and, um, you know, will continue to um, to to um, to drive a lot of the industry um, collaboration and um, and strategies around this. That is great, Simona, to know that Intertech has a lot of services to support the circular economy for plastics and other zero waste initiatives. Thank you for listening to this episode of Assurance in Action. Uh, if you would like to learn more about what was covered in this podcast today, please feel free to browse the links in the description of this podcast, as well as sign up for our monthly newsletter. Um, 
topics such as this, as well as other industry trends, are covered monthly uh, with comments from our industry experts. Uh, also, please feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you get a chance, please give us a rating. Um, every little bit helps, and uh, thank you so much again.